Welcome to The Recovery Lab, sponsored by Elevation Medical. And I'm your host, Joe Lemon. Today's guest is Dr. Michael Sheps. He's one of the leading sports chiropractors out of Los Angeles. And so we had a lot of fun talking shop. And one of the key takeaways I believe you're going to get from listening to the conversation with Dr. Sheps is the importance of maintaining and understanding what's happening throughout the market, as well as making sure that you understand how to properly bring in the right tools at the right time. So he was one of the first chiropractors <laughs> back in the early 90s to start working with high-end lasers. So with that said, guys, I think you guys are going to love it. Sit back and enjoy the conversation with Dr. Michael Sheps. I've always wanted to talk to you about how you got started, why you got started into healthcare, but welcome to the podcast first. Thanks. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for uh, letting me tell my story. I started... Um, at a very young age, my uh, sister was dating a chiropractor, <laughs> and at eight years old, I made a, a decision to become a chiropractor. Eight uh, years my, old. Eight years old. <laughs> a man that knows knows you know exactly what he wants. One of the wants. stories I tell is when I started getting chiropractic treatment, I was in little league, uh-huh. and every time I got a chiropractic adjustment. That day or the next day, I hit a home run. So I knew, <laughs> I knew I was on to something. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I uh, attended Bloomfield College. It's a u- unique school in New Jersey. And um, So you're from the East have, Coast originally? Yeah, I'm from New Jersey. Okay. Bergen County. And Bloomfield College had a pre-chiropractic program. So the deal with uh, Bloomfield College, you know, started getting introduced to, you know, a chiropractic education in undergrad and Bloomfield had a six-year program where you went your 90 credits you know all your chemistry your physics and so forth and then you got preferred seating into New York Chiropractic College so uh, I'm 61 now so uh, it was uh, back then uh, you know late 70s early 80s uh, you know you had it was competitive to get into New York Chiropractic College, so I hmm. I wanted to get in. I didn't want to wait, and so I, I chose Bloomfield College, and I think it was a good decision. So uh, unfortunately, uh, when I was going to enter New York Chiropractic College, they, they had lost their accreditation because board members had misappropriated money oh, wow. right when I was going to enter. So uh, my class from Bloomfield, we ran a U-Haul, and we caravan down to Atlanta. And we went to Life Chiropractic College. <laughs> that's a nice way to actually get started into it. So that's pretty cool because I used to live in Marietta. That's one of the top chiropractic colleges out there. So so that's pretty cool. You kind of just hopped in the truck and, and made the hike down to Atlanta really fast. We just started down there. And um, How were your parents with it? Were they like, oh, Mike, go for it? Or, or were they like, what are you doing, son? <laughs> what was their response? Well, when I went down there, they... Uh, they were supportive, okay, but they were hoping I'd change my mind, become a dentist, or, sure, or an osteopath or an MD. But I really was committed to becoming a chiropractor. All because of those home runs. The home runs, you know, <laughs> that will do it. Um, so, um, you know, I went to Life and then decided to come out to the West Coast. And you know, at Life, it's a straight chiropractic education, mm-hmm. uh, not too much in the way of modalities or physiotherapy, or certainly not medical technologies. And I started my practice um, 
as a born again chiropractor, you uh. know, adjustments and and uh, the, the correction of subluxations was what you needed to be healthy. And you know, a lot of that is true. And I certainly was committed to adjusting everyone's spine mm-hmm. that I could find. And I started a practice. I, I was an associate in uh, Thousand Oaks and then in uh, La Mirada for a big industrial clinic. And um, where did I go from there? Uh, and then I um, would go by to uh, Dr. David Singer's home. Now, he was the original guy that influenced me to become a chiropractor, and he became a huge chiropractic consultant. Hmm. And I'd go by and um, treat his family, do adjustments for everyone. And one day he said to me, how come you're not, why don't you have your own practice? I said, well, you know, you got the student loans and no money and Mm -hmm. just the typical thing. And he he went into his office, wrote me a $50,000 check on a handshake and said, this is what you do. You go to exactly where you want to practice and you go into a a uh, chiropractor's office and said, say, I want to buy you out. <laughs> and, okay. Something about chiropractic, you know, you know, chiropractors, you, you know, they're, they're, they listen to that. <laughs> and everywhere I went, they were like, okay. <laughs> really? Uh, so I found an office and it was uh, kind of a shell. It was a doctor that had become sick with testicular cancer mm. And uh, it wasn't a very active practice, but it had a, a really good mailing list. And um, I started with six patients. I used uh, the, the Singer methodologies on how to get successful and how to market a practice. I think in six weeks, I had 80, practice, 80 patients per week. What? And uh, by the end of a year, uh, 300 patients a week because I was doing just pure chiropractic adjustment you know, every room lined up with patients go from one room to the other, and uh, high volume. You were yeah, just- and I, I, I was able to you know get a good practice, get well known people, and meet other physicians. It, it really went well as a traditional chiropractor. And in 1995, again, Dave Singer approached me. And he said, I have this device, this uh, medical device called Steve or Tibral Axial Decompression. Okay. And he had the marketing rights for it. And he said, you know, I need to find an office that has an MD because the inventor, which was Alan Dyer, the inventor of the defibrillator and past minister of health, he's an MD and he, he won't sell it to chiropractors. Hmm. So I went to my internist. And I I told him about it, and we looked at the equipment. That equipment was originally, the original price of the vaccine was $175,000. What? And we decided to go forward with it. Um, You know, of course, I don't know if I mentioned, I I set up a business with my internist, and he was screening the patients. We bought it under his name, and um, that's how we got started with the vaccine. Now, um, shortly after uh, treating some, some patients with it, there was a, a medical correspondent on NBC named Bruce Hensel, mm-hmm. and he did a story on us. 
and it was a positive story and it was on NBC and they called us NBC at 4:30 and said, you know, we're going to put this story on. We're not going to we're not going to give out your phone number because it's not advertising. It's sure. just a, it, it's just a story. And we're like, okay, okay. And it 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 went on at 4:30. At 4:34, NBC Studios said, "We cannot get a call in or out of the studio. We're giving out your phone number. Goodbye." Wow. <laughs> and we had eight lines. They all lit up, and it was it was just tons of patience. And we were getting great outcomes, and uh, so that was my start of of the road that I, I am now on with medical technologies. That well, was the first the first uh, stab at uh, at integrating the office and be and using medical technologies. I gotta say that's that's a really it's a really cool way to get into it. I mean, really interesting that that someone just trusted you with 50k to say, hey. This is exactly what you want to do: is buy out another practice. Mm-hmm. Um, I would imagine there's going to be more of those, more of those opportunities coming up, but we can talk about that in a second. Sure. And and it's it's nice how you built the practice too. You built it with the mailing list first, mm-hmm. and then you got a nice PR spot, and that probably kind of set things on fire from there. I'd right. imagine. Yeah. So there were there were uh, you know five or six years where I was just a you know traditional chiropractor okay, okay. before we initiated the VAX-D. Yeah. From the VAX-D, we said, well, why don't we add a you know, pain management doctor and an acupuncture and an RN? You know, so and as far as I know, we were one of the first, if not the first, multidisciplinary offices in California wow. in 1993. In fact, we had to look the word up. We weren't even sure how to spell it. <laughs> that was all the, I mean, <laughs> it, it, wasn't, yeah. it wasn't, you know, we had different <laughs> opinions on how to spell the word. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, you know, that's what everybody's ga- aiming for right now. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody's looking at how they can bring in an MD and have mm-hmm. the Cairo and have mm-hmm. the PT all on one roof. Makes too much sense. Mm-hmm. How'd you guys know to do it back then? Well, I was forced, like I said. Okay. But, you know, the the um, the uh, inventor of the VAX-D would not sell the device to a chiropractor. Okay, was that, so I, I, was that I, angle? I had no choice. Sometimes when you're your hand is forced, you know, you, you wind up with, uh, you know, making the right decision. So the next uh, progression of, uh, of that practice was medics. So we had... EMT medics? Are you no, mean medics. Um, oh, medics, okay. Uh, uh, you know, uh, isometric testing, isokinetic exercise for the spine. They had other devices... But we brought in the lumbar spine Mm -hmm. device and the cervical spine device. Lumbar was more important to us because people would get off the VAX-D after, you know, 20 sequential visits for a herniated disc or a low back problem and still need some form of rehab. And the next progression was I got really interested in McKenzie, the Mm -hmm. McKenzie method. And it was, uh, you know, not many chiropractors were invited to take the two-year course, uh, but I really got into it. I, I did the two-year course in less than a year by traveling all over the country. And wow. I really became proficient in the McKenzie method. Could you talk about it a little bit? Because yeah, the McKenzie I'm not, I'm method not too aware. Is, a, is a, you know, Robin McKenzie was a physical therapist from New Zealand. And he had a system of postures, positions, self-generated exercises, uh, manipulation, and a table called the Repex table, hmm. which is in the corner right here. Oh, um, cool. I have a couple of those in the clinic. 
And the idea with respect to, let's take low back pain, someone has uh, sciatica, low, you know, leg pain, and we use a directional preference exercise. So if it feels, if the sciatica, the leg pain centralizes, in other words, moves up from the extremity and starts heading toward the back, that's a positive response. So gotcha. if we test them in that position and it works, we give repeated movements in that direction in the office and then for home therapy. Robin McKenzie wrote the book, Treat Your Own Back, Treat Your Own Neck. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so it, my results were so good with that. It was so amazing to have someone with severe radiculopathy get better and you know feel better and see a positive response in just a couple of minutes. I decided that I wasn't going to put anyone on the decompression unless they failed the McKenzie method. So the a body, diagnostic type of tool. Yeah, it was a treatment great, style basically. Yeah, yeah, great diagnostic tool, and if it could help someone by just giving them the tools they need to, to treat themselves, that was fine. You know, uh, I still had a lot of referrals from the backstage that you know I insisted upon going on the table. Yeah. And so um, what I noticed with the um, VAXD and the McKenzie method, um, if someone was a complete non-responder to McKenzie and I put them on the VAXD for 10 or 15 or 20 sessions and then retested them, they started responding to the McKenzie method. Interesting. So that was... That was, we integrated that as a rehab after VAXD, before medics. And, and at the time, I'm absolutely sure we were, we were certified multidisciplinary McKenzie clinic, the only one in the world. Hmm. We, we had the VAXD, we had the McKenzie and the medics, and we were certainly the only clinic that had those things under, those modalities under one roof. Well, you know, I, I, I think that's really, really interesting how you guys were early to this space right because mm-hmm. that you know as we're saying that's what everyone's trying to kind of everybody's trying to bake up their own mm-hmm. mixture of that now um mm-hmm. but you know being early in that was it easy to explain it to patients or was it something that patients were like what's going on here like there's an md there's Cairo under the same roof and you guys are doing things different than my Cairo down the street was that something that was common or was it something that people well, people kind of grabbed it on was, immediately uh, well received yeah definitely it was it, yeah patients weren't asking questions they were usually thank god i found this place yeah yeah so i didn't didn't get a lot of negative response or questions or testy patients and they liked what was going on that's awesome well you you know it it makes sense why you guys caught traction so early because you guys had a formula that was different when when you look at what's going on today you look at all the different tools out there and and we touched on the bad marketing practices that some medical devices have Mm -hmm. you know making false claims and Mm-hmm. Over exaggerating, or you know, not really meeting everyone's expectations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of good tools out there, but there's a ton of bad stuff. Mm-hmm. How do you properly sift through the good and bad like technology? Well, uh, you know, doctors got to do their own due diligence. Yeah, you know, salespeople are going to come in and introduce you to the products, but yeah. you have to. And they're going to tell you to, it's the best thing ever since you, you have to <laughs> ever since hands in pockets. Yeah. Whether yeah. It's the right modality if it's ethical, you know, if, if it's reasonable 
to get into the uh, financial end of it. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of doctors are a little nervous about they find something great and then, oh my God, my whole practice has to change. Right. So, you know, there's some anxiety from, from doctors, but you have to keep learning. My uh, next phase of reinventing myself was a high intensity laser. Okay. And there was a uh, equipment salesman that I was working with, you know, we still had the multidisciplinary office and we had cardiology and we were buying an echocardiogram machine. Wow. Uh, I have a background in echocardiography. Um, uh, I did that before I was a chiropractor and uh, worked at uh, Bethesda Hospital. But uh, I was pretty knowledgeable with it and he was somewhat impressed. I was a chiropractor and I knew a lot about echocardiograms and the equipment and so forth. And uh, we bought a, a very nice unit from him. And uh, he, he gave me a call and he said, I saw this device at a show. It's a veterinarian device. It's a high-powered laser. Okay. And I said, really? Around what time frame was this? Uh, trying to get it. Oh, this is uh, close to 20 years ago. Oh, man. All right. So this is like groundbreaking lasers just getting introduced to the market. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not even FDA approved for humans yet. Right, right. And he um, introduced me to the uh, the distributor for this uh, laser, and I uh, started a dialogue with him. And again, getting back to you have to do your due diligence. I saw lasers in the chiropractic journals that were selling for thousand uh, dollars and I thought well a laser is a laser what else do you need to know right. and he uh, you know explained what the laser did and I said well how much and he said thirty seven thousand dollars I'm like what yeah I could buy one for a thousand dollars and you know and I, you know I said no thank you and I started thinking about it, and I said, there must be something to it, right. you know, that it costs 37 30. times as much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I kept going back and forth. Finally, uh, the the uh, distributor that was in uh, Florida at the time flew all the way to California with the device. So I lined up some patients. The first patient was a uh, elite long jumper. Okay. And he was at USC. Uh, by elite, I mean 25, 26 feet, you know, very good yeah. uh, jumper. And I have been, t- I was taking care of him since he was in high school. Hmm. And he would jump once or twice and then have a chronic hamstring. Hmm. And th- it just kept going on. And I treat him with some of the modalities. At the time, I was using HACOMED and ultrasound and deep tissue. And, you know, getting decent results, um, but not getting him back to jumping shape quickly uh, or, you know, resolving the problem by any means. So he was one of the first patients we had lined up, and I treated him, and he said he felt a little looser. I had a couple other patients that were really amazed by the instant, you know, decrease in pain and increase in range of motion. And uh, it just wasn't in the budget to spend $37,000. And uh, the following track season, uh, the coach for this jumper came into the office. And I said, well, what happened to uh, uh, Andre? And he 
He said, well, uh, since you treated him with that laser, he hasn't had a problem since. Wow. And I said, okay, <laughs> that 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 meant a lot to me. And one treatment? This is because 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 yeah. the guy came from Florida with the unit, right? Yeah, so, one treatment. Wow. Uh, so uh, that was very impressive. And one thing led to the other, and I I, I bought the machine. What well, wasn't quite thirty seven thousand, but close to it. And I started getting good results, and it was an all cash modality. I didn't want to, you know, I know it wasn't going to be covered under insurance and um, start seeing more and more patients getting more and more referrals hmm. uh, a year or two later i bought a second unit <laughs> and so that that was the start with lasers well uh, you know i mean hands down one of the things that at least from what i hear from other people and even being in your clinic a couple times now i mean lasers you got a nice range okay and Pain management lasers. There's a couple players, like you know, the Aspens mm -hmm. of the world and mm -hmm. some other, um, like like here and such. But there's a huge range with lasers and outcomes. So mm -hmm. I got to ask you some questions about this because using on a hamstring, you would normally think, oh, you know, is a depth of penetration going to get there, mm -hmm. right? You know, like is the light deep enough to kind of get there? Mm -hmm. How do you kind of know which laser and what wattage to use at what times? Or it was you got any mistakenly. <laughs> Increasing the the wattage slowly. Really? For example, started with a 25 watt mm -hmm. Aspen and, you know, moved to a 45 and 60 watt. But I would go a year without changing the wattage. Really? And then see the difference. So you just tested so it, it and just stayed in it. Yeah. Full on university study, but I was developing a lot of, uh, of knowledge uh, in terms of. Uh, power and time mm -hmm. and what it what it would take to get results well it, what's the difference between the the pulse versus the a consistent laser beam is the, are the outcomes that much better with the pulse versus yeah a consistent? I, I i use uh you know continual wavelength almost exclusively i did have a super pulse 250 watt super pulse laser okay that you know in general you know acute problems are a lot easier they get better and with chronic problems, the results aren't quite as quick. Mm -hmm. And um, those are the ones that I, uh, you know, if I wasn't getting a fast result, I augmented the continuous maybe every other time and started using the super pulse. Uh, but currently, I'm just using high intensity lasers and uh, a lot of wattage. Makes sense. No, no, it's, and, and more wattage. What I understand is going to save you time. Is that right? The higher the waters go, the less time you have to treat. You know, theoretically. Okay. But uh, you know, uh, still treat a fair amount of time. You know. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. I I I uh, have patients, and I don't treat any animals at all. But uh, patients tell me they bring their dogs to vets, and they 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 get laser, and they say they're in and out in two minutes. Oh yeah. <laughs> I said, well, you know, you can see, uh, you know, you're here for 15 minutes face to face with me. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I don't think they're getting the, the dosing that they need, you know. Finding the right doses is difficult. Yeah, as I go up and up, you know, uh, the reason why I'm very slow about going up is, you know, we don't want to, you know, learn of any side effects or, you know, anyone getting worse or any burns. And I haven't, haven't seen that yet as I go up and up. That's awesome. That's really good. 
All right, so I'm biased. I got to ask you a little bit about the piezo wave and how you're using it with the laser too because I know you've been doing a little bit of that combination as well, right? Yes, and, uh, you know, uh, I was kind of a laser guy. I started the piezo wave, and it was very... It's very helpful, you know. At first, I would just use it on the non-responders to the laser, mm-hmm. and now I know right away who's going to benefit from both of those together. You know, the insertional tendonitis and the frozen shoulders and the lateral epicondylitis and the plantar fasciitis. Uh, so, you know, right from the get-go, I'm using the both. And although, you know, I sell lasers, uh, at one point I, you know, manufactured them. Uh, if I can find something else to work in conjunction with it, I'm all for it. You know, especially, uh, you know, when you're out talking to doctors about it and you present something to them that's infinitely better than what they're doing now and they don't want to get go forward with it, you, you kind of wonder, you know, you have to almost, you know, if you're in this business. <laughs> You know, why would you want to use a tool that, you know, no one gets better or, you know, the results aren't so good when you you can easily, you know, get into some of these medical technologies that are going to enhance the patient experience? No, I think that's a great point. And, you know, thanks for saying that, too, because it is it is a challenge. And I know it's an investment for a lot of people. And that's that's scary in business trying to Mm -hmm. especially during times like this when there's a lot of uncertainty when it's going to bounce back and COVID's Mm kind of ran through the system properly but um you're right though it's yeah. like if you're a, a guy down the street from you and they have an experience there and then they come here and there's a whole different experience i mean it makes it hard to try to compete <laughs> you know uh if you have you know multiple different tools that that could possibly help them get better yeah if you're uh motivated by good results and you yeah. gotta look into some of these modalities and and doing things in con in conjunction, you know, whether it's uh, uh, some form of uh, cupping or you know cryotherapy, mm-hmm. you know, both of those things are available in the clinic too, you know. Do you have, you have any formulas that you've put together? I, I know there's different techniques that you kind of mix different modalities together, but you ever tried cupping with the um, piezo wave at all, or any any other radio technology? Yeah, well, ideally. With, with not all cases, with some cases, you know, they use the cryotherapy, the piezo wave, uh, the cupping, and the cryotherapy. All, all four modalities are, okay. are helpful. Nice, nice, love it. So, you know, Doc, we are about to wrap up, but I mean, I gotta ask you some about the current times because you've been around and you've built up a practice, it's busy, you guys always have elites coming through the door. Um, what's your whole thoughts on where we're going post-COVID? And do you think there's going to be any changes in the whole healthcare market, or you think it's more of the same? What's your What's your opinion of kind of where the space is is headed in the next three to five years? Or so? You know, my first thought is, uh, you know, healthcare providers will be looked at uh, a little bit more favorably because of uh, you know, you know mainly, you know, hospital workers and Mm -hmm. everyone down the line from the chief of staff to the, you know, orderly, uh, you know, they've done such a good job. And I think overall the public will say, you know, they're pretty good guys. They're really dedicated to doing what they're going to do. You know, I think it'll come back slowly, but, you know, you look at the stock market going up, you know, so 
you know, they, they, they obviously think the economy is going to bounce back and everything will uh, get back to normal. Uh, I think people will be more uh, conscious about their health, you know, what they eat, you know, obesity, uh, you, you know, people that were overweight seem to have more, uh, you, you know, become more sick with the uh, COVID. Mm -hmm. So, you know, health, healthcare providers, I think is going to be, you know, go up on the list of what people think about no. in a favorable way. Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot, a lot of conversations is spent talking about trying to wash your hands and, you know, make sure that you don't you know, come in contact with the actual virus. But uh, more conversations should happen around what we can do to build up our actual systems, manage mm -hmm. stress. And, you know, you know, all those things play into mm -hmm. how Piece our actual body, yeah, yeah, how we can fight it off. So hopefully that, that is the, the whole future conversations coming up. Yeah, start preparing now to, you know, to be busy again in practice and, uh, you know, uh, get ready and maybe improve your uh, your methodologies and, get your uh, practice back together makes sense yeah there's no reason to kind of play like on the fence with it right might as well get out there and yes keep it like gun shy <laughs> well dr chefs i really enjoyed having you on the podcast please tell everyone how to find you and of course i'll have all your information uh -huh. in the whole show notes sure you can find us in brownwood at 11710 walsha boulevard um part of pacific coast sports medicine um Phone number is 310-873-4422, Dr. Sheps at drsheps.com. Easy enough. Love it. Dr. Sheps, thanks, thanks again so much for just taking time to come on the show. Much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you.